0: FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins,
1: America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America.
2: The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly
3: understand. You have no idea how high
2: up this goes.
0: Welcome to Wiggins America.
3: Chinese economy is in trouble, guys. I mean, big trouble. Death spiral stuff. And nobody's really reporting on it yet, but it could be one of the biggest issues in 2024. I kid you not. Welcome to Wiggins America. We are going to dive into that today in a big, big way. Old Roy is returning to the show. He's had some health issues, but he is back today. Very excited about that. We'll get into that with him. And we have Nico Moran of Swan Bitcoin on the show He is going to talk about central bank digital currencies and just give us a lowdown of what they are, why people say we need them, and, of course, why we actually don't need them. That's all coming up. This is a big show, so I'm not going to take too long here. I'm I'm actually just kind of doing a tease, and then we're going to back out and get right into the content, so stick around. More Well, ended up having a conversation with Brad Range from the Annie Fry Show. Odd, odd story, on Monday, Annie suddenly, right before the show, got a call that one of her kids had a high fever. And I guess it wasn't the first of her kids. So she had, there, there was no option. Uh, everybody who could have helped had already helped. And so she had to leave right before the show started, which means I hosted on Monday. Uh, And that was, you know, usually you get a little bit of notice before that happens. That was literally five minutes before the show started. So that was fun. Uh, But I had a, a bit of a conversation slash monologue that Brad and I went through about the service members who were killed in Jordan over the last weekend. Yes, it is related to bad policy. But I figured I'd just go ahead and replay that discussion because I don't think that I could do any better here now
4: wow wiggins america i think i, I certainly understand the, uh americans concern over uh, over these repeated attacks by uh, groups that are backed by iran joe uh, i'm not going to get ahead of the president or his decision space i mean you heard him say yesterday we're going to respond we'll do that obviously we have now, three families, three American families, they got the worst possible news over the weekend and now 30 more uh, uh, others that are injured, some of them seriously. Uh, we're going to take this seriously as well. We've got to do what we have to do to protect our troops and our facilities. What the options are available to the president, we're still working uh, through that. He's still working his way through that. And I don't want to close down any decision space on, on his behalf. That said... Uh, we certainly know Iran's back in these groups. Uh, we, we know that they are resourcing, they're supplying. In some cases, they're providing information that allows these groups uh, to do this. We're taking that very seriously. We don't want a wider war with uh, with Iran. We don't want a wider war in the, in the region. Uh, but we got to do what we have to do.
3: Look, you ever heard of the VFW? Great organization. I was hoping that within my lifetime, by the time I became an old man, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have as high a percentage of Americans that would be in the VFW, the veterans of foreign wars, Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't have as many foreign wars. You would think that. We are currently being attacked on foreign soil. Mm -hmm. Our men and women are being attacked on foreign soil. We have been, I don't want to say just since the Gaza Strip eruption has happened. It's definitely accelerated since then. But it has accelerated since then. You know, this was happening in Afghanistan. It happened awful in Afghanistan in 2021 in September. Uh, So you had uh, Americans, service members dying in Afghanistan then. You have service members now dying. The tweets that I've seen this weekend, Brad, I'm sure you've seen them too. I believe it was John Cornyn from Texas Mm -hmm. and it was Lindsey Lindsey Graham Graham talking about that we need to hit Iran now. We need to take out Tehran. I almost don't even want to step into that particular discussion because then you're talking about, well, how do we respond now? I do want to point out that we should not even be having to have this discussion. That's a great point. Just like so many other things, and I think foreign policy is probably the most obvious but economy, certainly border and national security, these are issues that the the bad decisions were made a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And those policies have continued to be in place. And now we're seeing the results of those policies. Mm-hmm. So now we're having to decide, well, how do we respond to our people getting attacked? And not just here, but over and over. I mean, you've seen this has kind of been a low burn since yeah. October 7th that our, our, uh, our embassies, our ships... Yeah. We've been getting little
2: attacks. It's, it's like they poke, 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 They poke. call them Iranian proxies. So, exactly. So they're terrorist groups or, or militant groups that are funded by Iran. Yeah, and now we're talking
3: about actual U.S. Army soldiers' deaths. It says three U.S. Army soldiers were killed and more than 30 service members were injured in a drone attack overnight on a small U.S. outpost in Jordan. Now, these are places that They shouldn't really be major areas of conflict. They haven't been, and suddenly they are. U.S. officials told CNN, marking the first time U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the beginning of the Gaza War. President Joe Biden also responded. So we we mentioned John Cornyn and Senator Lindsey Graham, both of them senators. But President Joe Biden has now also said, as John Kirby mentioned, we shall respond. Brad, you met, said this in the last segment. We were talking about polling and mm-hmm. um, women, yeah. you, how they feel about Joe Biden. Suburban moms. If you start to have to send your sons off to war, mm-hmm. that is a major deal. I don't, I don't want to talk about it just in terms of polling. That's not the point. Right. But that's what led us to saying, yeah, we do need to address this. Yeah. Uh, because this is a pretty big deal, and it could be worse. It could get worse. The reason that it could get worse is that the Biden administration doesn't seem to know how to handle anything, especially foreign issues. Yeah. What they do is they throw money at problems, hoping that they just will kick the can down the road. They try to
2: buy off the aggressors is kind of the Biden uh, foreign policy strategy. Yeah. It's like if we give them this, then they'll be happy and they'll leave us alone. And you know what? It's
3: weird because that you'd think that that would be something that would work. It's awful. It's not. But you'd think that it would work. It doesn't
2: work. Well, it only works if the money solves the issue or the problem that that organization or that group has. If the money solves the problem, then they're happy with it. But what these groups that the Biden administration is having trouble with now, it isn't a financial issue that they have. It's an ideological issue.
3: Well, it's the same same as if you you have a kid who's uh, five years old. And the kid is just misbehaving. And you say to the kid, you know what? If you will just stay still and sit on the couch for Aunt Marcy for the next hour, I will give you this huge box of candy. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, that sounds pretty good. I get a huge box of candy if I just stay on the couch for an hour? Okay, I I think I can try that. I may not behave great, but I'll at least try it. Mm -hmm. And so you give them the, the box of candy, and they're going nuts. And then they not only finish the box of candy, and so they're going crazy because you just gave them something for bad behavior, but they know they can do it again. Yeah, and then they want more. And they want more. And they go, oh, if I misbehave again, then you're going to give me more. That's the same policy playing out from this administration. It's also what Obama did.
2: It's you get what you incentivize.
3: And so they are paying off bad behavior and these bad actors, like Iran, they know, oh, shoot, <clears throat> they're, they're probably looking at the polling just like we are, going, man, if Trump's going to take office, then we need to get everything we can out of these guys right now. Mm-hmm. So they're going to escalate, 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 which makes me worried about the rest of the world. It makes me worried about Taiwan. It makes me worried about Russia. It makes me worried about the entire Middle well, East, not just Gaza.
2: There's also not that threat of deterrence there. Um, but. Do you think that Iran wants the full f- force and fury of the United States military raining down on them? Absolutely not. No. And, and the, if they were afraid of that happening, they wouldn't be playing the stupid games because, they, you know, that you would win stupid prizes. But they're winning not stupid prizes. They're winning money. Yeah. They're winning influence. They're
3: actually gaining control over territories mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have. Um, this stuff would not and if you don't believe me if you're on the left going oh you're you're speculating it's not i'm not speculating it it's not just that it would not happen and will not happen under trump it did not happen under trump i can look back over those four years and say those people were scared to death i i at this point i know george w bush comparisons are weird to make because it was a different era in politics but he had that same weird thing that trump had overseas it's the I don't know what he's going to yeah. do thing. Yeah. They called him, <clears throat> if, you, if you remember, adversaries of the United States called him, George W. Bush, cowboy. Yeah. Because they didn't know what cowboy was quite up to, what he was going to do if they did something out of line. Trump is not a cowboy, but he does have crazy factor. Yeah. And he uses it. He's got crazy factor in spades. And he will play every single one of those cards <clears throat> when going into negotiations with foreign actors. He'll say, "Let's be buddies, Kim Jong Un." Oh, by the way, if you step out of line, we'll destroy you. So let's be buddies instead. Yeah, let's be buddies. And so people go, <laughs> "Oh, he loves dictators. He, he loves wants dictators." To be buddies. He doesn't. He knows how to negotiate. And it may not be your negotiation. tactic. If you're in business, you probably have your own tactics. Those are his.
2: And let me tack this on, too. They have to believe that you're willing to do something. And there were two different occasions in the Trump administration that I can think of. One was whenever, uh, I think it's Al-Assad, gassed some Syrian citizens. He launched a ton of Tomahawk missiles at Syrian sites and did a lot of damage to them. The other one was, and I don't know if you remember this or not, there was a small contingent of marines at an outpost guarding something i think it was in syria and the wagner group that russian paramilitary force launched an attack on them and they rained down fire and brimstone upon those wagner troops and about wiped them all out And it was over 500 troops that they just wiped them off the map and after that everybody's like okay
3: he's serious they also never really stopped so they were drawing down in Afghanistan. They were drawing down in a lot of places. Trump was not an interventionist, mm-hmm. But when he saw an opportunity, he took it. That's how they took out Soleimani. That's how they took out some of the top. He dropped the Moab. He, yeah, they took out some of these top leaders uh, without making really a, much of a big deal about it. It kept the enemy on their heels. The enemy is no longer on their heels. As of January 21st, 2021, they knew Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah. I know that I can start. And they didn't quite move quite quick enough, uh, but they they have. They've realized over those last couple of years, oh, we're not going to have any consequences. And so now we're dealing with that, and we're dealing with it worse and worse and worse. And honestly, it does make me a little bit nervous going into 2024 that this could be right, – hey, right now, people are co- focused on the economy and the border. Those are big issues. Yeah. If somehow foreign policy becomes the number one issue, we're in a bad place. Or
2: at least a big issue.
3: Even if it doesn't become number one, if it it is on Americans' radar as a reason why I would vote in the presidential election, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be for good reason. It's going to be because things are spiraling out of control. Nobody wants that. We don't want that. It's just that the guy in charge and, in fact, the administration and really the philosophy in charge, even more than the guy in charge— is not equipped to handle it and things do spot without a strong hand guiding those issues um bad actors are more likely to lash out and that's exactly what we're seeing in terrible terrible ways in many instances and this is just the latest one and affects our soldiers now man i gotta tell you you are a sight for sore eyes i bet you get that a lot though i've never heard that (laughs) (laughs) old roy is back it's been probably almost a month yeah it's been a long time It has. well you've had some health stuff yeah and so you're you're feeling okay i'm good can we talk about diet at all like do you have to ch- can we talk about changing diets because i'm doing it too yeah what do you have to do <clears throat> uh
1: i'm i'm supposed to which which is probably good advice for almost everyone is to cut back on refined sugar and processed foods. That's the big
3: that's what they tell everybody. Right. No matter what is what the problem is.
1: Right. But there I'm I'm getting different advice from different sources about, you know, going like full keto or doing mm-hmm. a carnivore thing or there's all these different ideas out there but I think Bottom line is it's just lay off the refined sugar and and maybe cut back a little bit on the carbs. It'll help with your gut. Yeah. Uh,
3: I've been doing intermittent fasting, so that's the best diet I've found because I don't have to actually change my diet. I just don't eat as much yeah. of everything, and then I don't eat as much sugar because most of the sugar I eat, uh, well, during fasting, so I eat from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., which is a pretty wide window. Yeah. <laughs> like if you, most people who do intermittent fasting, they do a eight-hour at max. Some of them do like six to four hours. Ooh, wow. I do nine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I, I mean, weekdays, we're on at noon, and I may not be in the studio every day at noon, but I do have to be here. Yeah. <clears throat> and I can't be running out to grab food pretty much from the time the Annie Fry Show starts. So I eat at 11, hmm. and I, I don't know what I'm supposed to share from them, but I know Brad and Annie, they barely eat lunch at all, and then Brad has a huge meal that he calls lunch at, like, 3.15. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, our, our lunches are all messed up. And it's just because when we're on. But uh, then at night, I would eat so much sugar. Because it was just there and yeah. I didn't have any reason to not, you know, I could I can sleep fine when I eat a bunch of sugar. I know mm. people, a lot of people, you know, get some amped up and they can't go to bed, but that didn't affect me. Caffeine still does. I can't drink caffeine. I can't mm. drink a soda or especially a tea past about five o'clock. Really? Because I will be up till midnight or, or later. Wow. And, and feel tired, but it's like, I can't, I can't go to sleep and I hate it. So. I think
1: the I think that intermittent fasting is probably sort of part of what I'm because they talk they talk to me about doing just eating two meals a day, so that's kind of that. So I, I think in order to do that, I would probably have to not eat for a long period, so mm-hmm. I can it probably just work that in. Yeah, and to me, so the way
3: I started, and I didn't want to say this because it was like oh New Year's resolution, mm. but it is an opportunity to sort of kickstart something you've been meaning to do. Yeah. So January 1st, I started intermittent fasting, just sugar. So outside of 11 to 9, I would eat no sugar. Yeah. And that was my way of easing into an overall 11 to 9, which I'm now doing. And I'm, I'm losing some weight. I never get crazy heavy. I, I get up to a certain level, and it's like my body just says, I can't hold any more weight past this, which is really nice. Yeah. But it also is a little more than I'd like to be. So if I can fast and get myself down, it's like my body will figure out, oh, this is my new normal, and then for months at a time, I can b- go back to eating total garbage and I won't really gain any weight. It's really weird. This, but then this, eventually I will.
1: This sounds like well, slightly less ridiculous than some of your other schemes you've done in the past, <laughs> where you would you would not eat sugar, yeah, that you purchased. Yeah, that was the buy it diet. Yeah, I, I
3: could <laughs> eat sugar or whatever if it was around. So I could go to parties. If somebody here had it, I could have it. But I couldn't just go buy myself a candy bar. It kind of worked. Kind of. Kind of worked. It was a little hard.
1: Hard to sustain. It it was, yeah.
3: (laughs) Because I wanted more than I could have. Right. Uh, But this does kind of work. I I don't want to go too long here because I got a a really kind of big topic, actually, to bring up with you. And I should have been teasing this the whole show. The next segment... (laughs) <laughs> there is a country in the world, a major country, that is on the brink of collapse, hmm. and nobody's talking about it, and it is a big deal. Uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you that it's China. That country is in serious trouble right now. Wow. And nobody's talking yeah, about it. Yeah, you don't it hear anything because about Because they that. control the message so much, but they can't control foreign investment because foreign investment does exist in China, and it's the foreign investors who are sounding the alarms right now. So it's actually happening inside China, but the only people who know it are people who are investing in China from outside of China Interesting, because they're controlling the message so much. So I, I do want to get to that with you in a second, but as a business owner, I wanted to mention this story right before we do. Ski resort owner raises $3 billion to keep building despite climate change. This is from Axios. Okay. Now, the reason I bring this up <clears throat> is because I I can get into the details if you want. KSL Partners, the $20 billion private equity firm that Resnick co-founded and blah, 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 headline is really all that matters here. Yeah. Ski resort owner raises three billion dollars to keep building and expanding the ski resort despite climate change. Do you catch what I'm I'm throwing out here? If people were that concerned about climate change, like Oh my gosh! The climate is changing so much and so fast that these ski resorts are going to not even be able to keep up because of warming. Like they they can't create. They're going to have natural snow. They can't create snow fast enough hmm. for them to keep building. Do Do you, as a business owner, believe that maybe money talks
1: a little bit more than <laughs> <laughs> than the heart? I I think that is that is abundantly clear in in terms of you can't uh we're not going to give up our private jets we're not going to give up our house in the hamptons we're not going to give up our ski vacations we're not going to give up any of these other things but it's an existential threat
3: yes yeah that it's so existential that i don't even know really how it's affecting us right because this is totally like the obama thing always kind of made me laugh because it's a little silly, but it's also a little true, where they buy, a, they bought a house on the coast yeah. somewhere in New England. Mm-hmm. And they have said before that, well, if climate change happens in X way, and they've made policy based on this, uh, then the coastlines would either recede or the water would rise enough that the house they bought wouldn't be able to stand. right? <laughs> and, but they, they went ahead and bought it, so they don't really believe it. And this just this, this is is exactly that, this yeah. headline, that $3 billion, people are investing $3 billion despite their belief in uh, the, the threat of climate change. So they don't really believe in climate change. No. Otherwise, you wouldn't put your $3 billion into a ski resort. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just cracks me up, this stuff. Uh, that is the first little economic. Again, let's talk about China. This is some big stuff that I was actually just looking into this morning and was talking with somebody yesterday who's who's very very knowledgeable about this and I said you got to give me documentation on this cuz he's making some big claims and mm. he did he's oh, like boy. here here read this read this now it's all business stories so it's not like it's not fox news it's not cnn yeah. he's like look at this from cnbc this is an investment firm story and like this and that i'm like oh my gosh This is real. Wow. So stick around. We're going to talk about that
4: next
3: Okay, Roy, good friend of mine is, uh, I won't say who he is because I've actually invited him to come on the show before and he's like, I don't know if I could do that with the company he works for and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say who he is, but super, super smart guy, longtime friend of mine. And he is, by trade, he is a scientist, but he's kind of a data guy. And very, very into markets and and just studies, for whatever reason, he studies international markets a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because pre COVID, he had to he was one of the people that had to travel for his company a lot to China, to India, um, to some, you know, just international marketplaces. And for, I remember him saying that, I didn't know this until he said this, that if you travel to China to do business, you are doing business solely in Shanghai. Hmm. You, you you will not be allowed out of that city. I don't think that means you can't do tourism in China. Like if you, oh, I want to go see the Great Wall, you can make that happen. Right. But they're very controlling of what you see, what you experience, and especially if you're in the business community of what you see and experience. So you're, mm-hmm. you're really not going to leave Shanghai. That's like where they do everything. Right. So he, he sent me this, and shoot, he'll probably listen to the podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> hi if you're listening. Um, but he, I'm gonna, just going to read the text he sent me because I was asking him questions, and, and I'll just read it. It says, China is on the brink of total economic collapse potentially right now. Because they don't have a free market, there are very few ways for someone to build wealth in China. One way that was still available to citizens was real estate. So a lot of folks have owned condos. Mm-hmm. If you had money, you were investing in real estate because that was one of the only like kind of free-ish markets in China. <clears throat> but they're entering the throat of their one-child policy. So they have an aging population that wants to access that wealth and use it in retirement. But how do you sell your condos? When you own a couple, but the guy next to you owns six and the house buying demographic, the younger demographic of 25 to 45 because of the one child policy Mm -hmm. is pretty much non-existent or there's not enough of them buying to be able to sell what everybody has saved into. So the government has frozen their market, which I didn't even know this is like, why are people reporting this? The Chinese government has frozen their market right now. And Chinese investors are not allowed to sell Chinese stock at all to try to stem the bleeding. But foreign investors can, because they can't control foreign investment. Mm -hmm. So foreign investors are pulling out fast right now out of China because they see it coming. And they say that is driving the value down of everything even more. And so he said, you already have a three-to-one debt-to-GDP ratio. They can't print more money because they've already done that. Yeah, They can't keep doing it or they're into Argentina. So they have a major... Now, here's what's really interesting. Can politics get involved now? They have a major Hong Kong holder of Evergrade, which is one of the largest condo builder holders in the country, located in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, if you know... They are a part of China now. They're a little bit separate from China still. China's mm-hmm. been trying to integrate them, but there's a lot that China still doesn't quite control in Hong Kong. Right. So one of the major in, uh, builders, Evergrande, has now in Hong Kong called their debt, of, oh, of, and, and is and is forcing liquidation. So the politics there are that maybe this company's doing it on purpose to hurt Beijing because they're like, we see you, we're going to hit you now. You're like, this is happening within China and Hong Kong. So I, I said, you know, give me some documentation on this, because I, I, I want to see more than just what you're telling me. Well, he sends me an over an article right here. CNBC, Evergrande shares halted after Hong Kong court orders liquidation. Wow. This stuff is happening right now. This is big, big deal stuff. And the reason I want to talk about it is not just because people aren't addressing it, but because there's a bigger lesson at play here that hopefully will be shielded from. I doubt will be completely shielded from. But there's an... So I would say in like the late 2000s to early 2010s, there was a weird moment that China wants you to still believe is existing mm-hmm. where they kind of figured out how to do authoritarian capitalism. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yeah. So they, they could do things. And I, I've heard the, the best example I've heard is they were trying to develop medicines. Well, Hey, before all is okay. they were trying to develop medicines. Lo and behold, well, they could do it faster because in a free market, you have to go through lots of lab tests and then maybe animal tests. And then maybe you get to the point where it's safe enough to try human tests in phase one, very, very controlled. Mm -hmm. And all of that is part of the process because you don't want to hurt people with your experimental medicine. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You want it to be tested, tested, tested. Uh, I'm not even trying to make the point that's being made here, but follow me. So... They would, because we are a free market and the Western world is mostly free markets, that was kind of the process no matter where you went. Now, it's a little bit different in every country, but that's generally the process because you didn't want to hurt people with experimental drugs. Mm -hmm. But you wanted the benefit of the drug if it is going to help people. So there's a slow process, and there's a lot of money in it. But in China, because they had authoritarian capitalism... They could say, oh, you're developing this drug. Okay, that's, that looks pretty good. Let us now get involved and just force people to take it. Like, oh, you, you, we have a dementia drug that looks like it has some, some potential. Instead of going through all the trials, we'll just pick this huge population. We'll just go into a nursing home and inject everybody with the drug. And then, lo and behold, if it didn't work, well, we killed a bunch of people, but we're in charge. Nobody's yeah. going to take us out. <laughs> but if it worked then, gosh, it went to market way faster yeah, because they were able to do the test faster. So they were, like, balanced on the head of a pin. They were holding this kind of model that people were like, oh, my gosh, that actually works. The problem is, and this is why I wanted to bring it up with you, is because philosophically you can't stay there. Right. Right? hmm Because eventually dictators going to dictate. The human condition takes over. And if you get a little bit of power, which they had, you don't stop, right? Correct. So you can't ever really stay where China has been. You're always going to move toward more and more and more and more control because the people in power, they don't stop and be like, I'm just going to hold it right there. (laughs) Everything's good right here. I've got enough power. They're always going to seek out more power.
1: Right. Agree? I agree. Um, I've been
3: saying this for a long time, and I, it's amazing to now see it happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there, but I mean, <clears throat> I mean, people who have been paying attention, it, it's it's just math. It's obvious the the one child thing was eventually going to come back to bite them because you're not replacing. <clears throat> yeah the the population the population yeah and. They're not the only ones. Japan's having problems now. I mean, there's, and we're starting. They're starting to see the beginnings in the U.S. of the decline birth rates. It's it's got all of the 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 signs of us moving toward, you know, in whatever fifty years, we're going to be in that situation where we don't have enough people to support the the. the
3: I know, I know the stats you're talking about. Yeah. The crazy thing is, the only thing keeping us from being there is immigration. Yeah. Our immigration, and this was before Biden, our immigration was actually holding us at a growth rate because people wanted to come here so badly. Now I'm not. That's not an advocate for illegal immigration. Right. That's just saying we weren't. We're basically flat as far as having babies. Yeah. Two parents. Two babies, about average. So there wasn't a lot of population growth. The population growth was coming through immigration. So it wasn't. We weren't going to feel it because we were still growing, but we weren't having the babies to sustain the growth.
1: But with with China and Japan yeah. and, and places like that, where they don't want a replacement. Yeah. Because there there's a, you know, they they for varieties of reasons. Yeah, I mean they, the they don't they don't want. A lot of foreigners, yeah, in the population, so <clears throat> so that was kind of yeah, that was inevitable that part of it the i've o I've thought for a long time now that the spending that China's been doing for the last two decades, buying farmland here, buying businesses, opening all of these things that they can't sustain mm-hmm. they're gonna if if they call their debts in from us. We're going to be in trouble because <clears throat> we just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing yeah. from
3: them. Well, the thing is, though, that we stupidly are still powerful enough, our currency, that we could probably print our way out of it. But then you're going to see massive inflation again. Right. It. I mean, we would survive it, but we it wouldn't look good. And I, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that if they start calling in debts from us, mm-hmm. I mean, that, this really could be a ripple effect. I mean, regardless, there's going to be ripples from this. Yeah. If it's really happening in this, this country, this is the second largest economy in the world. If this country is economically collapsing as we speak, I don't think it's going to look like the country just suddenly goes destitute. It'll be a very controlled collapse. Well, we won't know about it. As you mentioned yeah.
1: at the very beginning, that they China controls a good chunk of the yeah of the media in directly and indirectly, and <clears throat> so we're never going. And it's a communist country, so we're not going to know. They're going to go fully
3: internal. Yeah, because there won't be the foreign investment anymore. Those people are getting out now, so you won't have the foreign influence as much. You won't have foreign companies. I mean, the the, the nice thing, the weird thing. Uh, because this is not, has not been a Biden policy. It's been a result of bad Biden policy mm-hmm. that because of the mass inflation, we've not been able to afford to do overseas business as much just because of the ship and the oil, because of the mm-hmm. shipping costs. So companies have been moving out of China partially because of the instability and partially because of the cost of just doing business so far away from your main market, would which would be here, that there's been movement away from China almost like without anybody trying, right? almost as a result of people being stupid. Like you know, you got a decent result from being an idiot, which was amazing. But back to, you know, I want to finish this because we're almost out of time this hour. <clears throat> the big point that I wanted to ask you about is regardless of the one child policy, mm-hmm. regardless of all these things, because that's all stuff that they've done that maybe another country would do differently. But <clears throat> are we are we agreeing here? that no matter what an authoritarian government just cannot survive in the modern world in the modern economy you
1: no know, it'll it'll eventually collapse under its own weight because like you said there's there's always more to grab <clears throat> they don't ever the same with taxes here we never say oh we got enough taxes yeah, yeah or that one was supposed to expire let's let it expire no we find a reason to keep it going yeah so that's just built into human nature i think that the, maybe a, a, a small uh positive thing is what you mentioned with hong kong because it was it, it was sort of this little semi-capitalistic hub in a communist country because of great britain and and all of that and in, in the history there's a lot of money at stake there and there's enough people in hong kong <clears throat> to push back on on a, going full communist because there's a lot to lose now mm-hmm. that the, is it going to be enough i don't know can they fight beijing can they yeah, uh, it, it's it's interesting there's 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 a little bit of internal pushback because of what you said about Hong Kong that that might slow it. But eventually. It, yeah, it, it they like you said, they'll keep pushing for more power and more and the, especially the keep, more desperate they get. Exa- I was going
3: to say the same thing as it collapses, mm-hmm. assuming that it is and does. It's almost going to get more authoritarian because they want to, oh, I got to solve this problem now. I got to solve this one. I got to take control of this now and this now. I will tell you this that I think this is probably uh, good, at least in the short term, for the US dollar because anybody who is investing in any of these other currencies, like foreign things they were trying to make with bricks and some of this stuff, I think all of that makes the dollar look more attractive right now. And so you're going to see the dollar actually probably continue to stabilize. Uh, Again, oddly, like by nobody's fault who's trying to do anything. Yeah. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about that next hour, actually, with Swan Bitcoin's Nico Moran. We've had him on before, and he's a big advocate for getting out of the dollar. So we'll talk to him about that. This is Wiggins America. We're up against the break. We got to stop. We'll see you in an hour, or we'll see you in a few minutes next hour.
2: Get
0: more at 971talk.com